Welcome to the Next Level Show, a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life. Hosted by Jonathan Alvarez, Gabriel Contreras, and Mike Nillis. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Next Level Show. We have an interesting episode lined up with our good friend Martin Silva, um, all the way in Wales. Um, he told me specifically that it's not the UK. He is from Wales, not to confuse the two. And uh, now I'm just super excited to have you on, man. I've been following your journey for quite some time uh, since the beginning stages of Mind Pump. I think we got connected on the forum. That's when I kind of first saw you post your competing pictures. I know you are a professional in the bodybuilding sport, but you're doing the European, uh, the WBFF, I think is what it's called, correct? Right, yep. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome, though. I'm super excited. This is going to be a fun episode for those of you that follow you. And I think that we can kind of touch some interesting topics throughout the whole episode. I'm really looking forward to it, man. It's an honor to be on here, man. I love the stuff you're doing over there. Content you're producing is epic, mate. So looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, just to kind of like intro, um, get you like for our listeners that may not know you, just a kind of a brief intro who you are, what kind of what got you into this space. Uh, I know you're a coach as well. I see your content uh, helping people, transforming lives. And I, and I like your approach. I feel like we uh, see eye to eye on a lot of things. Obviously, we come from a common source, uh, probably that really helped us. Um, but yeah, give us a, a brief intro who you are. Yeah, so... My name is Martin Silver, obviously, and I'm originally, just like John alluded to, I'm originally from uh, the UK. So I'm from Wales, which is in the UK. So what I was saying on my video recently is uh, not English, right? So Welsh and English, they're like sworn enemies, basically, right? So as long as no one calls me English, then we're good. <laughs> Welsh, totally fine, right? Um, so yeah, long story short, I have been coaching people since I was... Well, actually 18, but 19. So I'm now like 33. So I've been, you know, coaching people for what, 14, 15 years. Mm. Uh, so I've been in the fitness industry for a long time. Obviously, it's my passion. It's now become my purpose. You know what I mean? It's what I live for. But as a, yeah, me as a person, you know, um, I'm from the UK originally and got into lifting weights. And, you know, I've always been, firstly, I've always been really athletic and kind of into sports. So I used to play rugby a lot, which is, I guess it's more like a British sport. It's more kind of American football in America, right? But um, I used to play rugby and, you know, soccer, all sorts of sports when I was younger. So I've always been athletic and competitive. Uh, and then I discovered, you know, bodybuilding and lifting weights at the age of like 16 and just fell in love with that, really. And then, like I said, became a personal trainer from the age of 19. Uh, fast forward to now, along that journey of, you know, being within the fitness industry, you know, personal training, learning about nutrition and everything else that comes with it. I then decided to step on stage uh, as a bodybuilder then. That was uh, when I was like 25, started in like 2013, I think, my first show. And then the, the, the plan was just to kind of do it once, just on a whim. You know, I had a few friends just saying to me, you know, you should just do it, man. It's when, um, it's when men's physique first started getting popular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it came over to Europe and obviously I was like, you know, I might as well just do it. I'm in shape and I... I knew a decent amount about nutrition then, but to be honest, I just winged it, jumped on stage. Uh, sorry, I just winged it, uh, jumped on stage, and I came second. You know, I wasn't expecting it. Then I uh, ended up competing again like five weeks later. That's a whole other story. We won't go too deep into that. We can talk about the binge eating and the relationship with food that uh, came as a result of competing, you know, in terms of a poor relationship with food. Uh, anyway, three, four years then competing. Basically, I've competed nine times. Uh, I actually had like three years out, and then I jumped on stage, uh, I think it was two years ago, 
that was my last show. Um, but yeah, other than that, really, you know, I moved over to Australia. That was almost four years ago from the UK. Uh, it was something I wanted to do. I kind of traveled the world in my early 20s. I was lucky enough to travel the world for about five months. Uh, loved Sydney and Australia. Always wanted to come back. And then I was I was 29 years old and I thought, right, I've got to do, I've got to make the decision now because when you get to 30, you can't get a visa. See, it's, it's, you can't get a visa for Australia and that's like oh. certain skills and stuff. So I thought, take your chances, nothing to lose. Uh, and I'm, I only came over here for a year or two, four years later almost now. I'm still in Australia, you know, living the, living the Sydney dream. Um, and now I, you know, I, I was a personal trainer face-to-face for, like I said, about 15, 14, 15 years. Um, and then what happened then, just to kind of end my life story, if you like, was uh, I transitioned more of it to, into, into kind of online, you know, I call it transformation coaching because as, as you all know, John, you know, there's a bit more to it when it comes to the online stuff in terms of helping people with nutrition and lifestyle, you know, mindset, all those things. So the COVID hit uh, back in like March, last year, I think it was, it kind of hit hard, all the gyms closed. Uh, I was still doing primarily PT. Uh, I had a handful of online clients and then I decided to just get after it and kind of level up my online game. Uh, so now I'm all online now. So within that time, I've transitioned everything over. Uh, yeah, helping people all over the world and, and loving life at the moment. Mate. But that's, that's pretty much my life story, yeah, <laughs> in a nutshell. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. How I got to ask you real quick, because since you're in Sydney, how are the, we, we always talk me, Mike has this uh, phobia. And I mean, honestly, if I saw one of these things myself, I'd probably freak out the spiders. Yeah. Are they out in Sydney or is that another part of Australia? No, no, they're in Sydney for sure. But oh, um, heck. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that guys. Cause I was nervous about that, but they, you know, it's the small ones that are actually more poisonous and venomous. The ones oh. that are harmless which is weird. But for me, mate, it's cockroaches. Guys, I'll tell you really? this quick, real quickly now whilst we're here. Right? This happened the other week. I, I kid you not, man. I had my shorts uh, hanging up outside on the balcony. In oh, the night Jesus. Guys, honestly, put my shorts on, just not thinking nothing of it, right? Oh, my and, goodness. Guys, and I was like, is that the lace? I think that's the lace on my shorts, right? Oh. So it would be too crude, right? But I put my hands down there. So I was like, that's just a bit. Guys, massive cockroach crawling on you know what <laughs> guys I, I i have never screamed so loud in my life man my, my missus was like what's going on there but yeah the cockroaches man, that was the worst experience ever the cockroaches are worse man they're like oh looks like they're, my looks like they're on steroids basically mate dude that, i bet uh, but in that moment i bet you realized that not all problems can be solved by violence, violence. right <laughs> you you had to handle that very calmly that's exactly right. That's right. <laughs> terrible, terrible in a uh, in a dangerous situation. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, the internet would have us uh, have us believe that you basically need to leave the house with a machete with all all the spiders that are out there. A oh, flamethrower, actually. <laughs> yeah. my pillow after that experience, mate. I'm telling you. Oh man. <laughs> I can imagine. Holy cow. Uh, Martin, I wanted to ask you kind of like you told you've been working. I didn't know you started so young as a personal trainer. That's amazing. Um, I kind of got late. I got into it professionally, probably like at the age of 23. I'm 29, about to be 29 now. Um, but I think that I always found a passion. But what got you? And I and I that's before I think right when Ben's physique was coming on about in the scene. And I never viewed myself as a bodybuilder. I'll, I'll, for the listeners that don't know or probably coming from Martin's side, um, I did compete as well. But like you said, I did it kind of just to do it. Um, what made you kind of take that decision to compete? And um, what was that driving force, I guess, if you will? Yeah. So it was basically just like 
a last minute thing. Firstly, so it wasn't like a plan. It was like six weeks out from this local show, men's physique show that was coming to Wales where I was living at the time. And it was just a case of why not, you know? And I had this illusion, like a lot of people do, where like, hmm, maybe I could be on the cover of men's health. You know what I mean? But as we all know, uh, it doesn't it doesn't work out that easy. But um, that was kind of the thing. I thought, you know what? I'm in the shape. Uh, and when I look back, you know, I can talk deeper about this, but maybe some of it was kind of stemming from not so much insecurities. I've always, you know, I've been quite secure. Like, you know, in my teenage years, late teenage years, I was insecure, skinny, skinny uh, teenager. But, you know, I've always been quite confident and secure from my 20s. So it wasn't necessarily insecurities, but it was more a case of like, let's get some attention kind of thing. When I look back, Although at the time, I wouldn't have said that. It was like, come on, let's get some attention, get some photos, share off. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> yeah. it, was deep, it was definitely deep to answer your question. Uh, but then it kind of just spiraled, you know? Yeah, no, I thought that I think that you said the same thing about getting on a cover of a magazine. I thought the same, same in that realm. And also I thought it was going to drastically improve my PT business. And um, once I noticed that it didn't in the right way that I wanted it to, because what happens, you start attracting other competitors, people that want to compete. And that's like, you know, we talk, you talk about transformation. We know that there's so much more to uh, the fitness journey than six pack abs and being ridiculously shredded. Um, it's all about the other aspects of the quality Gabe. Yeah. So if on, if on the first show that you did, it was kind of like a, as a whim, why the hell not? Hey, I got yeah. second place. After yeah. that happened, did you say to yourself, well, if I really push myself, I can really get far in this. Did you say that? Or did you, what, what did you change dress? Did you change anything drastically? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, like I said, I'm super competitive, right? So because I was playing rugby up until, the, the, actually, when I look back now, I was playing rugby up until about maybe six months uh, prior to competing. So I think a lot of it was kind of replacing that, you know, that adrenaline kick I used to get from playing rugby. Uh, I used to get injured all the time. Play, I wasn't playing at a super high level, you know, just like an average level. Just getting injured all the time, you know, being self-employed as a PTO was like, this is just not working for me anymore. So I quit rugby. So it was that competitive edge. And because I came second... I think I thought I'd won that show as well. That's how kind of big hair that was. I was like, I've got this in the bag. And then it was the guy, a guy who won it. And he actually went on to compete now, uh, men's physique, IFBB kind of pro level, like uh, super high level. But anyway, uh, then I thought, why not? If I've qualified for the UK finals, so this is what happened. The UK finals, which is once a year, happened to be five weeks after this show. Mm. So I thought, I've qualified, first and second place qualified. Why not? And that's... You know, if I'm honest, that's when things went downhill when I look back because I'd actually got to a point where, you know what it's like, John and the other guys, right, when you're doing PT and stuff like that. You know, you, you start off training, you're pretty competent, and then you start learning more about nutrition generally and eating habits and stuff like that a little bit later down the line generally. You know what it's like, it takes a while. So I got to a point prior to competing where I was, you know, I was eating like pretty much whole foods, you know, you know, just eating pretty healthy most of the time and stuff. Decent relationship with food. Uh, and then it went downhill then. So I got, I'd done that second show five weeks later. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I ended up just like cutting loads of calories out, restricted way too much. Um, and, and basically I had like this guy help me, this ex-bodybuilder guy. I wasn't really, you know, I wanted someone to help me. But when I look back, basically I ended up just like doing it the wrong way. Uh, and then I, I got super shredded for the show. didn't place. And then that's one like I had, I think it was the biggest bit. You might know my mates, uh, Mr. One Fitness. Andrew Bond, mm. he's uh, he's he's kind of like we were both on the Mind Pump podcast before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, we went on this this binge together after the show. It was like actually, what they say on Mind Pump, isn't it? They say symptom eruption, right? That's yep. basically what it was. It was like just an explosion of like restrictive for like the best part of like 
two, three months. And I, I think we ate like 20,000 calories, maybe more within 24 hours. And that's when it kind of went downhill. But yeah, sorry, wow. just to answer the question, uh, I guess it was just a case of like, I've qualified. I might, you know, I could be the British champion here, you know? I kind of got ahead of myself. When I, when I stepped on stage, I realized it's a non-tested federation. Most of the guys are on gear. I'm natural. So I've never actually taken gear. And I was just naive. And when I was backstage, I was like, oh, okay, this is what it's all about, you know? Because the physique guys are meant to be, you know, meant to be men's health looking kind of. Mm-hmm. They were bigger than the bodybuilders, man. I was like, what's, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah. <laughs> what out of my depths? So... Um, no, so like you mentioned that the, the, the binging, the, you also at the beginning, you also mentioned briefly the, um, the relationship with food kind of drastically yeah. changed. Um, while yeah. you were doing that process, did that get ever, did you ever kind of touch on with that or connect the dots during the process? Or was that completely after you took a big break of competing? Like when did you piece that together? Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was a while. I, I kind of knew what was happening, but at the time, my level of awareness wasn't really there. I was just kind of justifying it in my head. Um, so, but, but you know how many different emotional factors come into play, you know, when it comes to binge eating on a regular basis, because I was doing it even when I wasn't doing shows, right? So after that show I just mentioned, when I had that massive binge, you know, uh, for about, you know, 18 months after that, I was just most weekends, just basically binge eating most weekends, you know, because I was... Uh, yeah, I just wasn't, if I'm, if I'm fully honest, I just wasn't, I wasn't equipped, you know what I mean? I didn't, like I said, it was just like a random, you know, like, oh, I might as well jump on stage. Before you know it, I'm competing at the British finals and binging and stuff. And it wasn't one of those things which I planned out, which obviously, if you are going to compete, you know, you want to really kind of plan out what you're going to do after you've climbed Everest, right? Because when you do yeah. it at a cop, it's literally like climbing Mount Everest. It's like, how do you get down? I think they said, use that analogy on my pump again the other day. Uh, what's his face? Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But yeah, you got to have a plan for going down afterwards. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so yeah, I was trying to eat, if you like, quote unquote, healthy in the week for that 18 months after the comp. And on the weekends, I was just like, I'll have a burger or a pizza. And it would just spiral out of control like it does with a lot of people now, you know, weekend warriors, if you like. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was just, I just didn't see it coming, if I'm honest. Gotcha. And what are those, those paradigm shifting moments uh, in your fitness career? I think that was probably, you could say one of them, but um, I think through what's made us good coach, and we talk about it all the time, is that we're constantly challenging that's, you know, our current belief system when it comes to mm-hmm. fitness, nutrition, how we view things. Uh, what mm-hmm. are some of those things that kind of stand out that, you know, you know, made you an even better coach in servicing your clients? Yeah. So for me, it was definitely connecting the dots in terms of just like helping them with the stuff outside of the gym as much as possible. Obviously there's, there's only so much you can do. Obviously you can give the person advice when you're coaching on a one-to-one level, when it comes to nutrition and you can, you know, shine a light on things in terms of like how they're currently eating and, and help them make changes. So it really helped me just kind of like helping them basically with the nutrition stuff, uh, making changes with lifestyle stuff and just, you know, simple things like, checking how many steps they're doing and stuff like that, which is things I learned, you know, a bit later down the line, just simple things, you know, all these new tools and technology kind of, you know, really started advancing, you know, at the time I think I was competing and stuff. So um, yeah, in terms of what made me a better coach and get better results with people, you know, not just short-term but long-term, it was definitely, you know, the habit change stuff, you know, helping them focus on certain things outside of the gym and just trying to focus on one or two things at a time 
rather than, you know, the old me, which was kind of like when I first started out as a coach, which was just like, you know, you coach people how you coach yourself, right? Which was like 10 to the dozen, you know, train hard, no days off. Exactly. You know, follow this diet plan. And if they didn't follow it, I would just be like, I, I give up with this person. You know what I mean? Like they can't yeah. stick to the plan. <laughs> they don't want it bad enough. Exactly. That's what I first started out when I was a youngster. hundred percent. They don't want it bad enough. Uh, but yeah, just to answer your question, what made me a better coach is just educating myself as well. And, and really going through that process I talked about there was like, uh, obviously I was lucky. I went through that process of, uh, you know, binge eating, poor relationship with food, poor relationship with myself, bad relationship with training even, you know, training really, really hard and hammering myself at the gym at the time, you know, even then I was doing kind of, you know, the bro splits and stuff. It was only until, you know, I started tuning into Mind Pump that I actually started testing out the full body stuff and, and changing, you know, so they helped me with a lot of things, you know, I got a shout out, you know, I'll, I'll call, I'll mention them as many times as I need to, but I got to shout them out, man, Mind Pump, because, you know, they helped me through that education um, but yeah, just implementing stuff myself and learning about how I can kind of change, you know, and, and be healthier myself was what really helped me with clients and, and just coaching so many people as well. You know, I think, you know, they say the 10,000 rule, right? You know, 10,000 years, the master, 10, rule. the master rule. Exactly. So I think, you know, just doing all those years and it took me kind of like, you know, a good kind of seven or eight years before those, those dots started kind of connecting, you know, in terms of like, right, I need to help people with the stuff outside of the gym as much as possible. Uh, but what I find now just real quick with the online stuff is I get so much better results with people online, you know, much better results because of, you know, they, they've got, firstly, they've got more accessibility to me, uh, but also it's, the, it's just the stuff we talked about then. We know how fundamental it is to change the way you think, you know, your mindset, focus on the lifestyle things such as stress management, your environment, your sleep. And then obviously nutrition is a whole other animal within itself, right? And then you throw the training on top of that you know, it's, it's, it's a lot you're going to get out of it, right? Once you've got all those factors, you know, you're, you're focusing on those things. What I find, uh, sorry, I gave it a cut job. Like what I find with the online, just, uh, that comes to mind is the, the shift that you made probably your fine you've experienced this is yeah. it's almost like you're coaching blindfolded. You can't see them in real time. And, um, it's, it's kind of hard to like gauge, how do you go about, and after Gabe, you know, shares his point, how do you go about kind of constructing that for like an, a beginner that maybe never has stepped foot in a gym? Yeah. Yeah. So you mean like online or do you mean as uh, uh, the, the online space? Online. Yeah. So generally, if I'm honest, I don't tend to take people on who haven't got like at least, you know, six to 12 months experience with like training and strength training generally, or, you know, exercise in the gym, but generally just resistance training. Um, but I, but I have done, I have done, um, in the past, but lately I don't, I don't do that really only because like you said, it's so hard to kind of, you know, how, how much skill is required to kind of learn, you know, movements with free weights and stuff like that. Um, but look, if it was someone, even if it was someone who was like, say six months in or whatever, and they've been, you know, they're new, brand new beginners. Uh, first of all, it's, it's a case of like, just shine the light on how they currently live. That's like the first step really. It's like obviously not making super drastic changes. Uh, and everything I kind of I focus on doing is to, you know, complement their lifestyle and not complicate their lifestyle. You know what I mean? Because it's very easy. I you like know, that. a lot of people, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's like people have got enough on as it is. People are kind of, you know, with technology spending them more time working than they ever have. Even the person who used to work nine to five is now working, you know, 12 hours a day on average. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, checking in the first email to send them. So, You've got to take all these things into account. Um, so it's a case of 
looking looking at like one thing they can improve on, for example, generally with their nutrition. Uh, and then obviously a training program is going to be adapted to where they're currently at. Uh, I guess just meeting them where they're currently at, really. And then just, like I said, shine the light on um, what they're doing. So for that first 30 days, though, generally as a framework for a beginner, it'll be a case of just focusing on those fundamental things. So, you know, tracking your foods, slowly making changes there, you know, having a look at how many steps you're doing and then adding steps, you know, uh, adding a couple of thousand steps maybe to, to the day uh, just to improve their, you know, to improve their movement, calorie burn. And, and that's a permanent change you can make, which is quite an easy win, right? Doing more steps. And then I'll, I'll start looking into sleep as well then. So I'll do simple things like even within the first 30 days, I'll recommend they get like blue light blockers, for example, like nighttime, you know, blue light blocker glasses to, to help them improve sleep quality. Um, but I'll really start tapping into sleep generally after like two to four weeks. Because like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to overwhelm, even if it's not a beginner, um, I don't want to overwhelm people and give them unrealistic goals because the goal obviously is to, is to change habits for the long term and permanently. And we all know how challenging it is to change habits and change behaviors, right? Especially when it comes to like food, right? So I guess just to summarize, mate, it's basically adapting to the person, but it's just uh, focusing on those uh, important things like the steps, uh, giving them a training program, which I know they can stick to. And just focusing on, you know, let's just say they're doing no workouts a week, then I'll set them a goal to do eight workouts in the first month, for example. That's that's a non-negotiable. I want to see you do eight workouts or maybe 12 workouts in the first month, right? So two or four, two to three a week. Uh, and then starting to shine a light on like sleep quality and stuff like that. And but like you said, you getting the feedback off people when you don't see them is a whole different ball game. You know what I mean? You've got to ask the right questions, you've got to be efficient because you know, if you're not, you can spend a hell of a lot. You can spend a lot of time working, man, as an online coach, if, if you're not asking the right questions and you haven't got the right systems. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Hope that made sense anyway. No, absolutely. All good. And if I'm speaking a little bit fast, because I always think, you know, in America, they speak a bit slower. Just tell me to slow down, dude. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's at a good speed. Uh, no, one piece that, that you mentioned before about uh, that helped you a lot is just educating yourself. And I bet the best piece of education has been just experience, right? So like, even though as crazy as it was, the, the whole binge eating, and then even you mentioned the whole uh, relationship with training, I bet mm -hmm. that has helped tremendously in your, um, uh, with, with clients, both face-to-face -face mm -hmm. and online, especially right now, you're doing all, all online. So you can kind of like relate to them in a bit, right? Because everyone has some sort of, you know, you need to address that even nutrition. They do in like, you know, maybe not to the extreme of eating 20,000 calories in what, how many days was yeah. it? Two days, three days? Yeah. Uh, although the 20,000 calories, I'm pretty sure that was within 24 hours after that show. That was like the worst thing I've ever done after the show. And I don't, I don't want to promote that and glorify it in any way. No, shape. no, it's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Like, how is that even humanly possible? But, you know, we're yeah. going to go ahead and just uh, go past that. But um, yeah. no, I'm just saying like, you know, that I'm, I bet that helps a lot because the, the people that you speak with, the people that you see, that you help, they have some something along those lines, whether it be nutritionally or, or uh, like relationship with training. Uh, I bet that that's that they probably didn't expect you to relate to them in that manner. Right. I'm sure that it's helped yeah. a lot yeah. for you. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that you've lived it, because the bottom line is, you know, when people sign up for a coach, firstly, they do want to see the social proof. They want to see that yeah, you can get them results, right? Whatever that result may be, right? Uh, but they also, for the most part, they want to see that you practice what you preach, right? Uh, that you've actually lived it and you can relate to what they're going to go through, right? Because it's so important to be able to relate 
to the struggles people are experiencing, right? Um, so yeah, 100% to answer your question, definitely um, just living it and just simple things like tracking food. Like I started tracking, I think uh, at the point I was competing, I think, or maybe it was just before that tracking food. Um, and I've done that probably for about six years, not all at once, but on and off. I probably tracked for about six years. Um, so, you know, when someone's new to tracking food, it's like you understand that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a job. For example, it's five, 10 minutes out of your day. But for most people, it is necessary to do it. Is it essential? Can you get results without tracking? Yeah, sure. But, you know, awareness is key. So just that's, that's an example of like, I track my food. Like people say, oh, it's, it's hard work. I'm like, look, I've done it for six years, right? And if I want to lose weight, I want to drop body fat for whatever reason, I'm going straight back to tracking, right? And I've been doing this for a long time. So that's just an example of like, I've experienced those things, you know? Yeah, actually, I've never heard uh, somebody talk about relationship with training before. I've never heard that. It makes sense you saying that. And that's such an interesting concept to me because I've heard relationship with food. That's, you know, I listen to Mind Pump all the time. That's, I'm familiar with that. But that alone, I mean, that that reaches a whole new level of people because I, I work in a commercial gym. So I see a lot of people who have a pretty shitty relationship with training. So it, it's mm-hmm. just interesting for me to hear that phrase and it mm-hmm. immediately connects all of those dots in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. random just, thought. Just, I don't want to, I won't go off too much on that, but just to kind of like, you know, summarize what I meant by that. It's like most people that I take on generally, they do too much. So I'm, I'm actually trying to, you know, you, you do get people who are just lazy, right? They yeah. don't do enough, right? But most people generally, based on what I've experienced, like they, they want to cross the line and do more than they need to, right? And trying to communicate that to people is challenging. Like you need experience with communicating that. It's like you, you're not, you're not going to get better results by doing more. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I've got client like cardio, for example, and stuff like that. Like they'll do the program I've set for them. And they're like, oh, I just done an extra session. And I just done a, an extra run. It's like, so it's, it's a common thing I get. And, and, you know, you could say that not necessarily a bad relationship with training, uh, but it kind of could be better, right? In terms of like, you've come to me, you know, for example, let's face it, most people want to change the way their body looks. You've come to me because you want to get, you know, looking better aesthetically, uh, yet you're doing more than you need to, which is actually going to slow down progress because you're kind of going against what the structure of the plan is. You know, sometimes you might get faster results for that initial 30 days if you do more when it comes to fat loss, for example. But, but long term, over the space of, say, you know, not the initial 90 days, which I, you know, I sign people up for initially, uh, you're going to get worse results. So that relationship with training and exercise and, uh, you know, controlling your mindset is, is very important, 100%. I wanted to ask too, like the, the impact that before when you were not having a good relationship with exercise and with your nutrition, um, how did that, you know, improve your, just your personal life, even with your relationships? Obviously we talked a bit about how you're a much better coach as a result from going through those personal experiences, but how does that affect your other parts of your, of your life? Cause I think this is another point that people, you know, don't understand that when you connect health and fitness and actually chase health, we, you know, the common thing in mind pump is um, that Sal does a really good job at saying is like, you know, if you're chasing strictly aesthetics, your health will suffer. If you, uh, if you chase the, if you chase health, you know, you will get the aesthetics as a, as a, as a result. Um, How with, uh, with people, like, how does that, how has that affected you with the personal relationships? Yeah. So you mean in terms of like me with the way I was kind of treating my body and stuff, yeah? And how that mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. You know, I was definitely, firstly, I was kind of like training. I was just busting my balls. And I do feel, when I look back, I feel really sorry for some of my clients back then, man, honestly. Especially. <laughs> Me especially, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've all been there, guys. You know, you've yep. had that client puking in the bin. And I'll never forget his face. He was literally green, being sick in the bin. Uh, and I was just, you know, pushing people so hard because that's what I was doing, right? Yep. Um, I was pushing myself. I actually hired, I'm not going to lie either, you know, training really, really hard and doing more than I needed to uh, for this particular competition in terms of my legs were a lagging body part, right? And I actually hired this coach who, again, she was just like, you know, hammered me basically. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, smart way of training it was just hammer your legs they grew they didn't have a choice to right they grew but it was horrific the stuff i was doing it was like the most pain i've ever been through in the gym right this woman like an ex-bodybuilder hammering me and then i transferred that over into my clients and stuff right but just to answer your question about relationships and how it affected me outside of the gym and stuff in terms of where i was at then it was like you know i was spending a lot of time in the gym firstly more time than i needed to when i look back much more time in comparison to what I do now, and I, you know, I could stay in fantastic shape now and do like two workouts a week. You know, now I've ramped it up to three workouts a week now, and like my body's responding crazy. You know, so even two sessions a week now, and don't get me wrong, doing a little bits and bobs in the days in between, but nothing much. I can stay in incredible shape. And if you'd have said that to me, you know, back like five years ago or whatever. I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, you're just basically full of shit, right? Mm -hmm. What I look back, it was affecting my relationships because I was in the gym like so often for a start. I was training every single day. Uh, even when it was no competition, I was doing six days a week, you know? Um, I was basically, you know, in terms of the way I was living with like my food and nutrition, like I was just on the weekend, I was almost like using food as an escape, right? I was just like, I'll just chill out. I'm not going out drinking on the weekends. You know what I mean? I'm staying in. So I would justify it by like, you know, just, just going all out with food. And, uh, and that was affecting my relationships because I was feeling like absolute shit. Like, you know, imagine Friday night, you've had a burger or whatever, burger and chips. Then you decide to have dessert afterwards. Saturday, you do your training session and then talk about relationship with training. Uh, punishing myself in the gym then on like a Saturday morning because I went overboard on the Friday night. Doing legs, for example, right? My legs are my, my, my part I hated about my body. That's an example. I used, to, I used to hate my legs. Now I'm going to take it out on my legs now, right? Because I've slipped up the night before. And then um, hammer myself. And then I would fast. So what I would do is I'd fast after that, try and drag that fast out and be like, no, nah, no, nah, you can just lay it, you know, lay your gut heel, whatever it is, whatever bullshit kind of advice I was giving myself at the time. And then I would like break my fast with a, with a healthy meal. Evening would come in, Saturday evening, boom, off, hit the off button. 3,000 calories, 4,000 calories, pizza, you know, Domino's cookies, you name it. So that all that was really affecting my relationships with people, the way I was training, the way I was living in general, uh, and the way I was eating, because you know, I would feel like crap then. Obviously, Sunday comes around, feel like crap. Monday, and sometimes even Tuesday, it was almost like a hangover. I'd have like a food hangover. This went on for like best part of the year, that, that extreme stuff. Um, so in reality, like it was really, I wasn't really um, – you know, spending quality time with people close to me because whenever I was, I wasn't really present because I was kind of thinking about, you know, tracking my calories as well. So don't, don't get me wrong. I was still what they call orthorexia, right? At the time, if I look back, sound like a bloody maniac on this podcast at the moment, guys. <laughs> As I'm talking, I'm like, Jesus, 
No, but they, they call it orthorexia. You know, when you get like super obsessed with tracking and absolutely it's a super common thing with physique competitors bodybuilding community it's and people don't talk about it enough so i'm I'm glad you're kind of going down this this path oh great stuff yeah man so again just to kind of just to kind of uh close this one off i wouldn't be present because i'd be tracking my food then i'd be kind of getting a little bit anxious you know uh when i the next day once i've eaten that three four thousand calories on a saturday night which wasn't intended I put it in my, and I'm, I'm pissed off most of the day. Monday comes around, man. I'm overeating again on Sunday. I'm not feeling good. I'm moody. I'm stroppy. I'm feeling low. You know what I mean? So that's affecting my relationship with people close to me, you know, like my, my girlfriend at the time, my family, 100%. You know, when I, at the time, I wouldn't have noticed it. But when I look back, I just wasn't as present. And to be honest, I was like, you know, up and down like a yo-yo, really. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Boys, you have anything to add there? Uh, yeah, so the, the, the thought process or of, of uh, punishing our body, you know, that's something that we've all experienced right here uh, yeah, to yeah. one degree or another. And it's not like, you know, we grab that out of the, you know, out of the air. That's something that's been fed to us either, you know, by either magazines, you know, videos, mm-hmm. social media. You know, that's something that's obviously that we need to do our best to correct in the space. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, something else that you feel that is wrong in the space of fitness along those lines? Yeah, yeah. So what was the example you used again then? Just repeat the example. Oh, well, just punishing our body. That, that yeah, bad relationship yeah. with it. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, great question again. Um, there's, there's so obviously there's, there's a lot of kind of like uh, things which I think, you know, are currently not where they should be in the fitness industry, obviously. But luckily, you know, great information is coming out and stuff like that. But yeah, 100%. Like that is still the message for most people because the bottom line is, you know, like, and I don't want to, you know, kind of, shit on anyone and talk crap about people and stuff like that. But let's face it, you know, like there's a lot of bad coaches out there. Let's just be honest. Right. So a lot of the messaging is like, you know, push yourself, work hard, you know, the motivation kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and then, you know, the approach of kind of, you know, harassing your clients, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of coaches out there who kind of like, you know, why didn't you stick to this? And basically there's two different coaches the way I look at it. Right. You know, you can be an accountability coach. Don't get me wrong. Accountability is a part of my program, of course, but you can be telling someone off every time you check in with them, right? And saying, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why didn't you do this, right? Bottom line is that doesn't last. You're lucky if that person lasts a few weeks, if they're super disciplined, a few months, if you're lucky. Uh, and then there's a, there's a coach who actually just listens and adapts to the client, right? Who you can call a transformation coach that helps not only transform that, transform that person's body, but the way they think, right? Um, so which is, which is the really important piece, but yeah, the whole punishing the body thing, I feel like it's, it's still out there, still loud and, you know, people, it's just intensity, right? It's like, you know, you've got to push yourself, you've got to push yourself, you've got to work hard, work hard. And people are still kind of people attach, you know, sweating basically, for example, you know, if I don't get a sweat yeah. on, I didn't get a sweat on, uh, I don't feel like I'm working hard enough. Uh, and if they just listen to me and implement they actually take on board what I say and just say, look, trust me, you're going to get the results, you know, that we talked about. It's not about sweating right now. It's about, you know, getting stronger, getting good with your technique and stuff like that. And lo and behold, then they obviously start seeing and feeling the results and they're all good. But the average person just really firstly hasn't got the patience, right? It takes a lot of patience, you know, like firstly, you're going against what you believe, which is like pushing yourself, uh, working really hard. But the bottom line is most people who come to you, like, you know, they've tried so many different things to actually, you know, get the results they want and get the sustainable results. They've tried so many different things and, and obviously they fail, right? 
Um, but but they still have that mentality of like, I've got to push myself, those people really hard. So yeah, that whole punishing your body, uh, you know, overeating on the weekend and then hammering yourself in the gym and restricting the next day like crazy, you know, sweating it all out. It just doesn't get you anywhere. And obviously the mindset then you have is you're kind of training based on like certain things you hate about yourself, like me or my legs, for example. I, I, I'm pissed off now basically because I overate yesterday. I drank too much alcohol on the weekend. So I'm going to sweat it out and push myself like I need a hard workout. Uh, but that doesn't do anything for you really. That's just feeding in to the kind of behaviors you already have in terms of like training because you don't like certain parts of your body, for example, or don't like how you act on the weekends. Like you just said, then you want to be training because, you know, you want to take care of yourself, right? It's about self-love. It's a form of self-love. But that, that is a big mindset shift, which obviously as a coach, you've got to coach people through that process, right? Of, of kind of like changing the way they think about training and getting results and everything else. It's just being way more empathetic with yourself. I mean, I feel like most people will treat everyone else much better than they treat themselves. And we, I think I've still we could even coach clients better than sometimes we still treat ourselves sometimes. I think I still fall yeah. into the trap of training a little bit too hard right now. I kind of tweaked my back because I, I, I went way too hard when I didn't need to. So I'm just like, I'm damn it. Like I know better, but you still have to kind of battle with that. Um, but no, mm -hmm. I, I totally, totally agree. I kind of wanted to ask you too. Uh, you said, you said you, you noticed in the coaching space, you know, there's two type of two different type of coaches, um, how, you know, it's not to shit on anybody. Cause I think it's also, especially if they're young, like we were, it's kind of like where they're at in their current life, but what mm -hmm. are some things in the space as a whole that, that you like, that you see that are, are going well, that, you know, and stuff that, you know, yeah. are not so good that they're probably like yeah. wrong in the space or they're probably messing things up. Yeah. I love, I just love the approach of, you know, people who obviously you got to start somewhere as a coach, right? Um, but the bottom line is a lot of people are diving straight into one line, right? Which, as we've said, is, is, is very different to coaching someone in person. And it really does help if you've got experience coaching people in person. It really, really helps, you know, when it comes to coaching people online, right? Um, but going back to what you were saying, sorry, sorry, man, I've kind of lost track there. I was saying, will you, will you repeat that last bit? Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying like for in the as the space as a whole, outside of just the coaching, um, what are some things that you see that are kind of wrong in the space um, that you wish would, you know, would go away some fads or whatever and stuff that you see that are actually being promoted that are right that you like that you feel that are making a positive impact. Yeah, yeah. I really like the whole, you know, like the kind of, I don't know what the word is, but the holistic kind of way of looking at things, you know, like lifestyle, right? The bottom line is, you know, like, I think people are now slowly starting to get more savvy to the fact that like they need to, it's not, it doesn't sound sexy, right? But they need to change the way they live, right? They need to, they need to kind of do things and, and change things, whether that be diet training or whatever, which they can actually mold into their lifestyle, right? People are starting to catch on, catch on to that now. You know what I mean? Um, it's becoming a bit more sexy now, like health, right? Health in general, that message is becoming a bit more sexy. So, I do like that. I like it when you see people out there putting good information out there in terms of the fact that, you know, um, just making healthier choices with food, for example, or, you know, focusing on doing things which are sustainable, like not, you know, not going all out with everything all at once and just kind of like taking it one step at a time. That kind of stuff I love. And obviously Mind Pump, for example, you know, that the message they're putting out there is a prime example of that, right? It's just like, you know, the, the right information, how to do things properly, how to, you know, build muscle in a smart way, 
where you cannot just build muscle short term by doing six, seven sessions a week, right? Uh, because you, you're motivated, right? Which won't last forever. But, you know, how can you do less and get more, basically, right? That's that's the kind of message I love because not for everyone, don't get me wrong. Some people need to do more. Uh, some people need to push themselves more. But you see what I mean? Uh, in terms of the stuff that I, you know, I dislike, obviously the diet fads and stuff like that, that's, that's obvious, right? It's still going to get some of that out there. Uh, but again, you know, when it comes to those diet fads and the, the juices and the shakes and all that kind of stuff, people are slowly becoming more savvy to it and stuff like that. Um, so obviously I don't like that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, just influences and stuff, you know, like there's, there's a lot of influence out there. And again, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be negative or nothing like that, but you know, there's a lot, a lot of influencers out there who've like never, ever coached anyone in their whole life. And obviously putting stuff out there, you know, information on, on fitness and nutrition and stuff, which is just obviously incorrect. And, you know, certain people have got hundreds of thousands of followers and it's actually doing more harm than good. You know what I mean? So I just, I just don't like the fact that people are, you know, coaching, coaching and giving information out there um, when they haven't lived it, they haven't coached anyone. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for people sharing the right information. I'm, I'm, I'm great. You know, I'm all good for that. But you know what it's like nowadays? People watch a YouTube video um, and all of a sudden, you know, they've got like <laughs> 10 years of experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's some great information out there, don't get me wrong, but obviously, you know, watching a YouTube video and reading an article and then kind of like, you know, preaching as if you actually lived it and you know what the answer is. I'm just not a massive fan of that, to be honest, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, I that call that a... Good. Sorry, I was going to say, I call that YouTube University. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that makes make no sense. And it just like some of the people, like you said, that they don't even follow it themselves or have you, they don't even train at all. Like they just happen to have like, you know, for, uh, like example, like females. Okay. I happen to have like, you know, a backside that looks, you know, pretty decent. Now let me show, mm -hmm. let me sell you this booty program that I just created that I just, you know, downloaded from, you know, the internet that exactly. uh, I don't even follow myself. That's not how I yeah. get this. Exactly. It's a crazy world we live in, right? It's crazy. Bonkers. I wonder what I kind of wanted to shift a little bit. Um, with uh, your current lifestyle now, as you said, you haven't competed since your last show, and that was in 2018, 2019? 2019. Yeah. I, I know you came in in really good shape. I think you posted your side-by-sides, and I definitely think that your your last approach, I think you you implemented a lot of these better modalities yeah. into your training. Um, what was that like in your last show? Um, how did you, I, I was following along. I, if I remember correctly, you were sharing your journey as far as your step uh, in, you know, incrementing steps. You were also sharing your pretty high calorie meals for, for someone that was really, really lean. People probably were giving you a lot of feedback, like, wow, I'm not, I can't believe you're eating this much. Um, yeah, yeah. kind of what, what was your mindset there? Um, now, you know, with knowing all this information. Yeah, it was great to be honest, because, um, at that point I hadn't competed for over three years. So the show prior to the one I did in October, 2019 was the world championships. Uh, in Toronto 2016 and that was like oh, my okay. first yeah that was my first pro show yeah I placed in the top 10 there uh, out of 40 and obviously being natural uh, against you know 80 90 percent of guys who are not I was I was I was kind of happy with that but anyway yeah so having that three years out there I actually learned you know at that show I was actually at a really good level that 2016 show I got to the point where I got over all the stuff we talked about uh, and I pretty much done that myself I had a little bit of assistance from a coach just more just peace of mind I kind of knew what to do, but when you're competing, you know, you'll know this, right? You just get fragile. So it's just, it's good to have someone to guide you. Uh, but then, yeah, so fast forward to the last show, it was amazing because of what I knew and how much plan I put into it. I kind of knew I was going to do that show like six months in advance. And, you know, 
actually the longer than that i was actually planning on doing it a year before so i was i kind of did a proper and, and this is like a first time ever really i've done like a proper kind of structured kind of off-season thing where i focus on building muscle you know boosting my metabolism more so like you just said then i could get away with more calories and stuff like that um yeah and it was all just centered around health really and just doing it all myself um and i tell you what really happened as well was actually uh lane norton, lane norton has some really good you know advice and, and information yeah. out Right. So uh, I actually read his book and a lot of it I already knew, but leading up to that con, to be honest, implementing some of the stuff out of there, talking about peace of mind, that was kind of like my guide, right? I said, you want to have a guide, didn't have a coach or nothing, but that just helped me in terms of the last couple of weeks. Cause that's when it gets like really tricky, right? The last say two to four weeks leading up to a show. So mate, it was, it was so much better. I felt so much better going into it. Um, like you said, because I kind of uh, built more muscle in the off season and because I was healthier, that's the bottom line, right? I was so much more healthier. You know, I'd looked after myself for that three years in between shows a lot, you know, really took care of my body probably more than ever. Uh, and then going into the show then, you know, the last, it was weird. It was like, uh, it was smooth sailing and I kind of got ahead of myself. I was like, wow. I was like, you know, give myself a pat on the back. Like, this is smooth sailing, man. Like this is just the easiest prep ever. And then two weeks out, I remember then I was like, oh shit, this is what it's like. And then every day, I felt like about a week for that two weeks leading up to it, even though I was healthy and stuff. It's just you get down to that body fat percentage, which just is just a danger zone, right? And your body, your body signals are just fighting against you. But, mate, it was amazing. I felt great. I looked the best I've ever looked. Um, and then after the show then, to be honest, though, what I still learn about was, you know, I said about the Mount Everest thing, mm-hmm. get to the top of Mount Everest, you've got on stage, you need to come down then, which is why if you're doing a show, you need to have the right guidance, like I said, right? And it's even if you're getting in shape, basically, right? And you want to stay in shape, which is what people can't do, most people. You need that guide, right? You need that guide to take you back down the mountain, right? not just up there. And coming down that mountain, in other words, reverse dieting, um, I, I actually thought when I was after the show, I thought, wow, reverse dieting is actually arguably harder than doing a show. Uh, I never, never thought I'd say that, right? Because you, you know, are struggling you know, you're trying to slowly increase your calories and do it the smart way. So you, just for the listeners, you don't really want to just eat everything inside. Go back to your, you know, if you if you um, eat crap food and you eat loads of calories all at once, and you know you stop training and you stop moving as much or whatever it is, you'll put weight on really fast. You'll feel like crap. You'll gain a lot of body fat. You'll hold a lot of water, and it's just not a pretty sight. You know, obviously I've experienced that to the extreme in the past. So this time around, I had a game plan. I was like, right, I'll slowly increase my calories. You know, I'll do a heavy lifting training phase. I just remember I was getting to the evenings for about, say, you know, four to eight weeks after this comp. And I was struggling not to overeat. And I was like overeating a lot still. I was eating more than I intended to, which I don't normally do nowadays. And that must be because of obviously psychologically, but also you, you got to look at your hormones and stuff, right? Like a study came out and I think it was done on, yeah, it was done on uh, physique competitors. And basically their leptin levels, leptin is the hormone which tells you you're full, right? It's a satiety hormone was like dropped by 40% after a show. And obviously to build that back up can take, you know, two to three months. Um, so it just goes to show even the level I was at, you know, I was st- still struggling a bit with the reverse diet inside of it. Um, and that, that was kind of a gradual process. But all in all, it was a much better experience. I really enjoyed it. Bought my best condition. And I was just like super proud that, you know, I'd done it all myself. And um, I was still really healthy throughout and afterwards, really. No, I think that it's, it's key that you said there. You said the last like two weeks is when you had to really dig versus yes. not yes. 16 weeks out, not eight weeks out. The whole time mm-hmm. was a whole grind. It was miserable. Yeah. You, you 
were killing yourself with excessive cardio. You were, I, I definitely want to do, I'm kind of tempted on with, you know, seeing your experience, seeing like other people have done it right, kind of go about it a little bit different than my last prep, even though my prep was fine. Um, I got yeah. there in really good condition, but I definitely want to take an approach like that with a, where the last two weeks is where I got to dig versus the whole yeah. process yeah. is like, like a month or six weeks out. I'm already feeling it. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm really having to dig mentally. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. You said there, I think that, just to, to clarify, because we did have a WBFF female pro on the show, Melissa yeah. Wolf. Um, she, how is it different for the men? I just wanted to clarify because I feel like I'm going to ask yeah. you this off air, but you know, I'll ask it on air. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for the men, it's uh, it's different in a sense where, like, for women, to be honest, you know, there's loads of different factors which come into that. But I think for women, if you look at a health standpoint, obviously there's a lot more on the line for women, right? Mm. Bottom line is it's more risky when you come to you know, the, the, the reproduce, sorry, the reproductive system and stuff like that of a woman and the hormone profile is obviously very different to a man, right? So if you ask me, with a woman, you know, generally it's a lot more risky, you know, and obviously, again, lots of factors which come into it in terms of the age of the, the woman and stuff like that. But, you know, if you look at WBFF, for example, and again, I'm not trying to be negative, but obviously it's a non-tested federation, right? So a lot of people take gear, take drugs, right? <clears throat> and even a lot of women, right? So... When it comes to that side of it, obviously, I've, I've always been natural, right? But, you know, obviously, guys taking gear leading up to shows is one thing. You know, I guess if they do it the right way and they're not being stupid with it, you know, yes, it's not going to be ideal either way, but you can do it in a way where you can mitigate a lot of damage or whatever. With a woman, when a woman crosses that bridge, you know, it's, it's playing with fire for a woman, you know, and I'm seeing that happen more and more often, uh, going back to coaches and stuff as well, just you know, some of the advice they're getting off, you know, like coaches and stuff like that in terms of like what stuff to take leading up to shows, it just blows my mind. So yeah, I would say all in all, from a health standpoint, it's more risky for a woman. If you look at like, you know, women, a lot of women obviously generally want to give birth, you know, they're programmed that way. The facility system can be really effective. You know, I've, I've encountered women in the past who've, had, who've done irreversible damage, uh, you know, to their body and stuff from, from dieting down so hard for so many shows and stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of actually getting up there and getting on stage as well, I think the WBFF, if we, if we just use WBFF for an example, um, you know, women have to go through a lot more. So I'm, I'm not sure, you know, um, so it was a Melissa Wolf you had on, right? Yeah. I'm sure Melissa told you about all the other stuff that comes with it for a woman. Like they've got to wear, you know, there's a lot of stuff they've got to do in terms of, you know, the makeup, the hair, and then sometimes even costumes and stuff like that with WBFF. So, you know, it can be, it can be a lot, it's a lot more work for a woman generally with WBFF. Um, but yeah, I hope that kind of answers the question. If you want to ask me anything specifically, just fire away. Mike, did you have something? No. Oh, you're leaning in. Um, what I also wanted to ask too, is like, they have the, the, the process. I know psychologically it takes a much bigger toll. They have the makeup, they have the, the outfits for a guy you, when you compete, did you have a lot of different phases of the competition or was it just mm -hmm. one attire? You go out there, compete pose um, cause I yeah. see it more like a fashion show looking yes. thing. Um, yeah. very glamorized. I, I was, how, what is the difference there within the, I know men's physique is just a quarter turn yeah. front pose back shot kind of like what's the actual competing like for, uh, yeah. for the men. To be fair, like the first, I've done four WBFF shows and the first three were epic, man, especially the first two that I did in London back home. It was an amazing experience. Because like you said, it's more of a spectacle. It's entertaining. You know, like you've got good music playing. The atmosphere is good. 
you know, they would have, I think it only held like a thousand people, but it was in the O2 arena in London, in like a little arena in there. And the atmosphere was electric. Uh, then you, obviously you've got all the fashion, like you basically go on stage in your swimwear and you get judged on the physique stuff. And then in the evening, they do like a best dress thing. No one really cares, to be honest, about that. That's it's what just, I was curious about. It looks like legitimate, yeah. like a, a, a big fashion show with shredded people. <laughs> <laughs> you're on stage in your suit with, you know, a face like a vampire. You know what I mean? People <laughs> pop out, you're like, you know what I mean? Your suit's hanging off you. Um, so, yeah, but um, it's more a case of, I guess, it's like a marketing thing for them as well, right? It's, you know, all the content they get, I guess. But it's a great spectacle for the most part. Um, to be honest, like the, the show I did in Australia, like I don't want to, again, I don't want to talk too much shit, but like it just wasn't, it wasn't a good experience. It's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's just different in the sense where it's more of a spectacle. It's more entertaining and uh, it's just better, better atmosphere because some of the shows I've done, you know, with the UK BFF, which is like the sister thing for the IFBB, um, it, it was just painful. Like it was, you know, delayed. Like you, you meant to be going on stage at a certain time delayed for like four or five hours, like using the British finals as an example. It was literally like a count on what it was like probably about 20 people in the audience. Like it was just woeful. You know what I mean? So it is good to have that experience. Um, yeah. And that's, that's pretty much it really. That's the difference. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. I just like, I always wonder, like, I mean, I don't know if they have that local anywhere near us. So I probably have to travel for that, but I was thinking if I ever compete, I'd probably do something different. I wanted to add something in terms of the, well, I should have mentioned this in terms of the, the, the criteria with the judges. So a big part of WBFF is actually marketability, right? You, you mm. probably see that you go for a certain look. So like I've heard like 50% of the judges score, literally 40 to 50% is marketability. Mm. So it's like, have you got a look they like basically? Uh, and then the rest of them is, they are big on condition. Like they do like you to be looking freaky, WBFF, you know, they like you to be shredded. You know what I mean? They don't mess around with that. And then the other stuff is like stage presence and then whatever else. But a big part of it is, is marketability, right? Obviously, gotcha. you know, Paul Dillard, he's, uh, he's, he, you know, he's quite a smart, smart businessman, but it looks a bit, you know what I mean? So makes sense. Awesome. I didn't had, I had no idea on how that worked. I just know that the women had a lot to do. So I didn't know if the same thing played for yeah. the men's side. Um, and just to kind of like finish there, it's like, uh, what are some, you know, current healthy practices that you have now that you, that are kind of staple in your day-to-day life, you know, outside of competing, just enjoying life, kind of what are some stuff that you like to, you like to gravitate towards? Yeah. So first of all, sleep, you know, it's the most important thing. I say this all the time, but absolutely. hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. How many times do we hear that? Right. Um, so yeah, for me, I need, I need work on this, to be honest, I'm not perfect with it, but like my non-negotiable, is coming away from electronics at least an hour before bed. Maybe not not on the weekends. I'll you know I'll live a bit more then, guys. You know I might watch a bit of Netflix on the weekend. You know what I mean? Actually live my life a bit. Nah, but um on the weekends obviously a bit more relaxed. But in the week at least an hour before bed, come away from. To be honest, even if I'm working a bit later than I want to, I would rather have that hour before bed of winding down, reading the book, having a cold shower, which is a staple for me, especially in Australia. It gets hot here. But just in general, obviously, you know, core temperature is really important for sleep quality. So having a cold shower, which sounds a bit weird, right? Having a cold shower before bed yeah. actually does have a sleep quality. And I, it's, it's my go-to now. So an hour before bed, digital detox, if you want to call it, um, Monday to Friday at least, uh, reading a book for at least 30 minutes normally. I like to read for a minimum of 30 minutes before bed. That's my non-negotiable. Other thing is just doing a minimum of like two workouts a week. Is, oh, that's, that's kind of gym, right? 
I wanted to put that one out there. That's just my non-negotiable. Um, and then another thing I like to do is obviously go in the ocean. I'm, I'm fortunate, right? I live near the beach here. So just jumping in the ocean is, you know, at least say four or five times a week is like uh, non-negotiable for me. It just recharges me. And uh, yeah. And then also um, another thing I wanted to mention then is like journaling is something I've started doing as well. So journaling is something I, I did do consistently for like three months every single day. Now I'll probably average about four or five times a week, but it really, really helps, especially when I'm more anxious and stuff, just brain dumping my thoughts on a piece of paper or just like, for example, this morning I was training, I was a little bit more anxious than usual. And I was getting like things, you know what it's like when you're training, you just get like thoughts sometimes and ideas. And I was just writing them down in my journal as I was training. I was, I was training at home. So journaling has been really, really helpful for me in terms of stress management, uh, self-awareness, you know, and, and self-reflection, I guess. So that's been a, that's, that's another one, which is, uh, which I do at least four or five times a week. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it then really. And just like at least having um, my next step is just like having at least a whole, I still haven't quite got there. I struggle with this. I uh, just having a whole day off work. I know for a lot of people are probably thinking like, why can't you have a whole day off? But you know what it's like when you run your own business. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm, you know, it's like last Sunday I ended up working like two hours so I'm getting there now, uh, but having that whole day off a week is, is my next step. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be creating more freedom going forward. But at the moment, it's like, you know, I'm kind of in the trenches a bit. So I need to have that one day off. That's my next step. Full day to me, you know, no dipping in and out kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you that. So let's just say you have a full day, no work. What do yeah. you do? Full day, no work. What I do you do? Chill out as much as possible. So, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll use that as an effort to kind of catch up with friends or you know, spend time with my girlfriend and stuff like that when I can. Uh, also, I'll just chill out, basically. I'll literally just watch some TV, you know, watch something on YouTube or Netflix, relax. I'll play, I play volleyball, right? So we do that every Sunday. That's, that's what I do every single week. Um, so, yeah, generally just socialize and entertain myself, basically, in one way or another. And, and awesome, sometimes awesome. We'll, we'll kind of just reflect as well. You know, so I might, I might have, like, you know, you could class this as work, right? But I don't. Just like self-reflecting, I might just take some time out and just figure out what I could improve on. You know, maybe just some some journaling or something like that. You know what I mean? On that day, maybe take an hour or just sit there and go, right, what can I just improve on for myself? You know, you can look at that as like, I look at that as like more like self-love than it is work. You know what I mean? So I'll do that occasionally as well. 100%. Yeah. Um, you seem to have a really good balance. That's awesome. Just to see kind of like how you can marry the two kind of still have a yeah, life yeah. stay in shape and i think that even if someone takes one of these things you know and mm. starts to implement them they'll see a dramatic difference especially the sleep thing the disconnecting at night um yeah. what are some so just to like give you like the stage here what are some takeaways that you would want to leave the listeners with today yeah 100 percent on that note you just said there i think that is the important thing right it's just not not kind of confusing yourself with the things that are actually really going to get you healthier and going to get you in better shape. Like we said, not just short term, but, but long term. So stuff that you can change that is really going to have a massive, massive impact on your life. And don't ever get confused with the fact that it comes down to those things which don't sound sexy, right? Like you just said, sleep, right? I just talked about, you know, training, nutrition, and working on yourself, your identity, your mindset. So that's why I think stuff like journaling, for example, is, is, is really helped me. Because we all identify, and I'm working on this stuff with clients, you know, we all identify as a certain person and we all have different, you know, archetypes as well, which we switch in and out of all day. You know, for example, you know, you have a certain archetype when you go to work, right? You have your switched on kind of like a driven archetype, 
And then when you're spending time with your family, you're a different person again, right? You're that loving kind of family person or whatever. So it's just um, unpacking that really and just, just writing down on a piece of paper, like literally that brain dumping is something that's really, really helped me. So I would just say, you know, focus on the fundamental things when it comes to getting in shape, you know, sleep, training, nutrition, and just don't overlook the mindset uh, part of it, which is like, you know, working on your identity, uh, the words, the internal dialogue you use on yourself, being really mindful of that, because that is going to shape you in terms of you getting in shape, you being healthier, uh, and your mental health as well. So I think just being aware of uh, the internal dialogue and, uh, you know, body image and the internal self-talk that goes on is really, really important. So unpacking that by doing stuff like journaling is, is something I, I always recommend uh, to clients and stuff. Boys, anything to add before we move on to the final piece? I think we're ready. I've been waiting. All right. So, Marin, we do this with all our guests that come on to the Next Level show. We we started doing this with actually with Justin Andrews. He was the first one that ran this through. Um, we call it the, we call it the the lightning round. So basically, what we do is that we shoot you just a series of questions. These are just the first thing that comes off at of the top of your head, kind of something light and random, just to finish the show off on a good note. Even though technically it is it is on a good note. But anyways, you ready, oh. man? <laughs> so question number one we always ask this to everyone too we need to know what is your pet peeve a pet peeve and i and i say it in a way like a pet peeve that you know is silly but it still bothers you and it's like it's it's like almost like it it's every time guaranteed yeah yeah let me just think about that now i had one the other day um i'm just trying to think now Okay, like mine, you- for example, like for mine, for example, just to see like how like random it could be. Gabe, well, mine is like dishes. If I wash all the dishes and someone leaves a dish and I come back and I see it and no one washes it, then I'm just like, man, like that's yeah. like it triggers oh, you, you, me. I love, I love that. You give me an idea there. You follow along from what I said the other week. You give me because I don't know whether you knew this, but I actually said that on my story the other week. That's the thing I was thinking of then is to do with the dishes, right? So basically, that is a pet peeve of mine, right? You may have seen this the other day. It's actually, what is the point in a dishwasher, right? If you think about it, you know, you have to wash, the, <laughs> you have to wash the dishes, right? Basically, if you think about it, you, you, you are basically washing, you're rinsing them and you're washing them down a bit, right? Before you put them in the dishwasher. So I feel like, I'm not saying the dishwasher is pointless, but it is very time consuming if you think about it. So I feel like in a sense, it's almost a little bit pointless having a dishwasher because you have to wash the dishes first. That being said, I wouldn't want to live without one. So I'm kind of contradicting myself a bit. <laughs> the Hispanic culture, we don't believe in dishwashers. We just we just oh, really? wash it ourselves. <laughs> That's where we put all our <laughs> pots and pans. <laughs> More storage um, for us. <laughs> uh, favorite unhealthy meal or like a cheat meal. I don't know how to word this question, but just a meal that's like, you know, guilt-free meal that you like to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because where I'm at now, like, you know, I don't, I just don't crave those foods anymore. But if I'm going to do it, right, it's going to be back home. There's a burger place called Got Beef, phenomenal burgers. They do like this blue cheese burger, right? So it's like blue cheese oh, wow. and stuff like that. It's phenomenal, right? Blue cheese, double burger, and they do these dirty fries, right? This is in my, the heyday of my binge eating days, right? Um, <laughs> they do this double uh, blue cheese burger and these dirty fries, which are basically deep fried. And they've got like crispy bacon, uh, jalapenos, mm. I think mayo or something like that on top. So a good old burger and chips done properly though, not just any old burger and chips. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm done with that. That's me. That's good night for me. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Uh, favorite superhero? 
Favorite superhero? Ooh, I don't want to use like an obvious one, but hmm, good question, man. Good question. Sounds a bit cheesy, dude, but it's it's got to be it's got to be. Can you class Wolverine as a superhero? Of course, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Just just the fact that you know Hugh Jackman in that film is just savage, right? <laughs> you said that. That's what popped up in my mind. I just thought of Wolverine. Yeah, absolutely savage in that in that film, right? X Men. So uh, it's got to be it's got to be. Uh, Big, big, uh, whatever his name is, I forgot his name now, uh, Wolverine, anyway. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, no, I just literally just caught up on all, yeah, I actually just caught up on all his uh, movies. And it's like, the one of the favorite ones is the Japan one where he came out super shredded, yeah. looking massive. Best look ever. Um, feet of strength that you can't do, but you wish you could. Do you know what? At the moment, I've done, okay, so I have done them, right? But muscle ups, I haven't done them for ages. And it took me a long time, like, not a long time, it took me a few weeks of practice to be able to do them. And I'd done them and then I stopped. And ever since then, that was like, you know, probably about six years ago. I, I haven't actually put the time into to practice, but I've just tried doing them. I can't do them. So I know a lot of it is technique. So, you know, I might look good, but I can't do a muscle up. So it's got to be muscle ups. It's got to okay. be. I, I, I have done them. I just want to put that out there. I have done them. <laughs> <laughs> if you do them right now, I can't do them. So it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, if it's not, if it's, is it on the gram? That's the question. If it's on the yeah, gram, you know, if you put it on the gram now, it'd be embarrassing. So the bottom line is, I'm not practice. <laughs> <laughs> Any hidden talents? Any hidden talents? Um, do you know what? I hate to say this, right? But honestly, honestly, genuinely impersonating things, right? I honestly, genuinely believe it. I don't want to be saying this now because I'm putting it out there. I genuinely believe, right, if I really put my, my work into it, I reckon at some point, can't believe I'm saying this, I could be a stand-up comedian, I reckon. It sounds so <laughs> narcissistic, right? But I reckon yeah, no. I'm quite sharp and witty, right? And I can impersonate people quite well, not compared to an average comedian. So I would say just impersonations and stuff like that, I'm pretty good at, pretty good at. I'm almost said that I'm making you do them. <laughs> you know, you, you, you have to. If you, if you say that, we're going to ask you, like, you know, can you impersonate one person? Like, who's the who's your go-to? Who's somebody that you'd like to impersonate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I say impersonating people, it's a lot of it is like British stuff, like British things you wouldn't really know who they are. It's like off like British movies and stuff back home. Um, like the Cockney accent and stuff, like, like different accents in the UK. You know, I'm pretty good at kind of impersonating different accents and stuff. Uh, not outside of the UK, though I'm terrible. So, like, <laughs> okay. have, you heard the, have, you the, have you heard the Cockney accent, right? All right, geezer. All right, Treacle. How you doing, babes? You all right? You're going to have a fucking tequila. You're going to have a, uh, a fucking tequila. Let's, let's have a tequila. <laughs> I was terrible. It's, it's crazy no. how they all vary and change just yeah. slightly. I was actually just talking to someone from um, that's from Australia that's living in the UK now, and I was wondering the same thing. What's the difference? And yeah, yeah. It's, you guys can tell apart kind so, of yeah, where that's, that's the thing about the UK. There's so many different accents, man. On a small island, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, favorite uh, pastime. Edit, edit that part out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we'll cut <laughs> it out. Don't worry about it. Not even included. <laughs> uh, favorite pastime outside of the gym. Outside of the favorite pastime. At the moment, it's got to be like I'm really enjoying kind of like play, playing volleyball, to be honest, and just um, just just spending downtime with my missus as well. I enjoy, you know, just going out for food and stuff, to be honest. You know what I mean? Just like once a week, maybe just going out, having some food, 
obviously I'm a bit of a nightmare there because I'm quite picky about where we go. But yeah, I guess I would say, you know, at the moment playing volleyball, you know, chilling out and just like watching TV, basically, just relaxing, unwinding. Yep. Uh, and then also just going out for food with my girlfriend or friends. Awesome. Uh, favorite music artist or band? Oh, that's a good question. There's so many. So I'm big into hip hop and rap generally. Uh, so I would okay. say favorite ever. Oh, that's a very tough one. Um, it's going to have to be the kind of uh, the stereotypical answer, right? Uh, it's going to have to be Tupac, man, because I, I grew up listening to Tupac from the age of 12, 13. That was my introduction to hip hop. I still love him. I know pretty much all the words to every every one of his songs. It's got to be Tupac. Which right. is which is a top song for you for him? Top song. Mm, again, another tough one. I would probably say, um, like like for me, it would probably be either "Ambitions of a Writer" or mm. um, yeah, that's probably one of my top ones for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so many. Uh, Dear Mama used to be my favorite. Uh, Dear Mama is definitely up there because I can I can certainly relate to that one. So I'm close to my mother. And I love the lyrics. I love the song. But I would say it's it's gotta be. Um, I, I really like um, I, I really like keep your keep your head up. Yeah, I really that's like, a good one. So yeah. many good ones, but but keep your head up is one of my favorites. You know, it really puts you in a good mood. Yep, it's a legend right there. Um, does pineapple belong on pizza? <sighs> I'm okay with that. I know a lot of people are against that, right? I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm, yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm cool with it. Like, it's definitely not my choice. It's the bottom of the list of choice for pizzas for me. But I think it does have its place. You know what I mean? I went for a phase, and I, and I quite liked it. So I think it's all good, personally. Awesome. Good. You, you can stay on the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one body part you wish was better. I know you talked a lot about your legs. I don't know if you're if that's still kind of your lagging mm. body part in your uh, mind, or is there something else? Hands down, calves. Yeah. Calves? Yeah. I, you know, one, I hate training them, right? I just hate training calves. Like, I hate training abs as well. Uh, and secondly, you know, they, they do grow. Don't get me wrong. They do respond, but they just plateau. And they're never going to be in full proportion to my body. So I've kind of accepted that now. So it's definitely the typical, again, the stereotypical calves, small calf syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> here's, a, here's a bonus question that I'm going to throw in there. So you mentioned before of one of the things you like just hanging out or just chilling, just either watching like Netflix or something. What's the last show or the last thing you watched on Netflix? On Netflix, yeah. So... I, or on any, honest, any streaming thing. I don't know. Yeah, I prefer to watch like uh, YouTube nowadays, like YouTube, just documentary. I'm really, I really enjoy just watching like rap artists and stuff that I like just being interviewed. I quite like that. I like podcasts like, you know, No Jumper podcast. I quite like listening to The Breakfast Club every now and then. So but basically, you know, if, I, if I'm talking about, there's so many cool. good things I've seen on Netflix. I'm trying to think one of the best things uh, I've seen on there. There was, ah, I can't think of the top of my head what it was. Now. There was something I saw on Netflix, which was, uh, which is incredible. But, uh, Top of my off the top of my head, I can't remember now. But if you just talk about TV seasons in general, one of the, the two best things I've seen is Breaking Bad or Sopranos. They're mm. both up there at the top of my favorite ever kind of seasons, if you like. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and last last question: Where can people find you, man? I know you're doing a lot of good things. I believe you still have your podcast up and going, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's still up, but no, I haven't actually recorded for like a year now because when the whole COVID thing happened, I kind of put my energy into. But I am going to get back to it at some point for sure. But it's still active. So tell people to go check that out. Optimize your body. Uh, find that anywhere, really, on any platforms. Uh, and then just find me on Instagram, then, at Martin Silver Fitness. And that's kind of my main two, I guess, uh, you know, platforms, really. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, 
bro thank you so much for coming i know it's like early uh, earlier morning over there it's ahead yeah, it's of time it's, a, it's fun it's like 12 15 p.m now it's midday awesome it's time for lunch um no but appreciate you coming on it was a lot of fun man we're able to connect finally we i've been following you for a while now and you know it's just awesome to see that with the communities with all these you know big people doing big things it also as a result people like us can connect and kind of spread this information out and that's kind of what it's all about is spreading that good word yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and hats off to you guys as well man at the you know next level podcast I love the name, by the way. I didn't even realize it. I only just realized it was called Next Level. That's, that's awesome. And yeah, just, man, it's awesome what you're doing. So just keep up the good work. And like you said, you know, as a collective, when we come together, you know, it's always good if we can, if we can impact more people. So thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cheers, brother. Hey, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go to leave us a five-star rating and review. That simply helps us get out in front of more people as well as follow us on Facebook at the Next Level Show private forum. Check us out on Instagram as well at the Next Level Show. My personal page is at John Alva Fitness. Gabe is at Prime and Glory. And Mike is at Mike Nellis PT.